Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. If you got your vows with you, let's turn to Luke chapter 1. Praise team, you did an awesome job as always. We appreciate it. Come on, don't we have an awesome praise team at church? Come on, you clap louder if you went to some of the churches around here. All right. God bless them too, but you got to be thankful for what you have. They're still giving God banjo praise, and you're way beyond that at Church on the Rock, so you better be thankful for it. Thankful. We have an awesome group of such great anointed musicians and singers at church. It's really a blessing. So, hey, we're going to talk today about faith, and uh, we're going to start in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse uh, 26. This is part of the Christmas story. So I believe I have a good word for you. Are you guys excited you're here? So um, we're going to start in Luke chapter 1 in verse 26. It's kind of a longer passage. I'm going to read it. You can look on the screen if you don't have a Bible. But it is the beginning of the Christmas story. And it says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, the house of David who the virgin's name was Mary. And I have come, and the angel said to her, Rejoiced, favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, considering what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is born will be called the son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age and now is in the sixth month for her who was called barren. Verse 37, key verses right here for today. For with God. Come on now. Are you, are you here today? I know I'm just getting started, but, but for with God, nothing will be impossible. And notice what Mary said. Mary said, Behold, the man, a maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Isn't that good? Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Today, if you're taking notes, the title of my message is Faith Like Mary. Faith Like Mary. So today I want to talk about faith. Last week we talked about hope. And uh, faith and hope kind of go together, but we're going to talk about faith this morning and maybe from a different uh, point of view or perspective than we normally do because Mary is a great woman of faith in the Bible, great example of faith in the Bible, but we don't talk about her a lot pertaining to faith, but Mary was a woman of great faith. And so we're going to talk about that out of the Christmas story. Maybe you'll see it in a little bit different light today that Mary was a woman of great faith and that we could have the same faith that Mary had. 
So today I want to talk about faith like Mary. So first of all, Mary, we got to understand this about Mary. Now, who was Mary? Who is Mary? Now, Mary, of course, is the mother of God, the mother of Jesus. Now, in all time, great mom, she's the goat of moms. You know what I'm saying? Do you know what goat means? Greatest of all time. Now, if, if you give birth to God himself, you get to be the goat of the moms. I'm just saying, you get to be all time greatest mom ever if you gave birth to God, which Mary did. So Mary is the mother of God which is kind of important. So that's who Mary is. And we're going to get into her backstory on who she was, where she came from, who she is, and why we need to have faith like her. But Mary was the greatest of all times when it comes to moms. She just wins that. Sorry, moms. I know some of you are really great, but you didn't give birth to God. And trust me, even if you think your kid's really special, you know they're not God. They got a little devil in them as well. Am I right? Even the greatest kids, you're like, you're slightly demon-possessed, but you got a lot of God in you too. Even the greatest kids. I'm just saying. But Mary, for real, had God in the flesh born. There was nothing evil or wrong or bad in Jesus. No demonic anything. He was 100% God and man. So Mary was the mother of God. She gave birth to Jesus. But what, what about Mary? Um, what is the significance of her? Where did she come from? Well, another note about Mary is not only was she the mother of Jesus, but Jesus was a mama's boy. I'm just saying. I don't know if Jesus had a tattoo or not, but if he, if he had a tattoo, come on, let's be real. He would have had the mom heart tattoo on the side of his arm because he was a mama's boy. If you read the scriptures and the gospels, Jesus loved his mama. He really did. You know, the last thing, one of the last statements Jesus said on the cross was, don't forget to take care of my mom. He didn't say nothing about Joseph. Now, God bless his dad, Joseph, but he said, hey, guys, you need to take care of my mom. Jesus loved his mom, and uh, he was a mama's boy, and, and she was special to him. And if, if you read the Bible and you read the Gospels, you realize that not only did Jesus say when he was being crucified, hey, guys, don't forget to take care of my mom because I love her and I want her taken care of. But into the book of Acts, Mary was one of the leaders in the early church. She was one of the leaders of the church in the book of Acts. And so we realized who Mary is. And he told his disciples, take care of her. I love my mom. So he was a mama's boy. But who was Mary? Well, if we read tradition, um, and some of this is from Rick Renner's book about uh, the Christmas story, uh, it was spoken about Mary's family. Now, this is tradition. This is not in the Bible, but Christian tradition over thousands of years, they said that Mary's mother came from the line of Aaron, which was the priestly line. And we know that Mary's father came from the line of David, which was a royal line. Now, in that time, in that day, where you came from was very important. Your lineage of who your parents were, who your grandparents were, were very important. Now, we're not above this. There's a reason why Ancestry.com is making bank. Because we still care about this stuff. Even if you find out people you wish weren't in your family tree, 
you realize that that's still important today. But especially in Bible times, there's a reason they put all the genealogies of lineage in the Bible. Because where you came from, who your mom and dad and your grandparents were, were very important in that time. And so it's significant that if Mary was going to be the mother of God, that her lineage would be right for Jesus to be birthed into the world. Now, it's significant because if her mother was from the line of Aaron, which was a priestly line, and if her father was from the line of David, a royal line, that means that Jesus came from both a priestly and royal line. Now, if you read your Bible, that's significant to you because you realize that Jesus was the ultimate high priest, and he is the king. But he came from a royal and priestly line in his family history. Now, Mary was born in Nazareth. Now, Nazareth was the place where Jesus would ultimately be called Jesus of Nazareth. But Nazareth was a small town. It was a small town. It was a rural town. Uh, some said in the time and day Jesus lived, there was probably several hundred people up to 500 people. So it wasn't a big, big city. It was a rural area. You know, Mary was a small town girl. Are you with me today? I'm just seeing if you're still with me. And, you know, Mary came from this rural area with not many people there. Now, if you read your Bible in the Gospels later on talking about Nazareth, when they said Jesus was from Nazareth, that wasn't like a cool thing. It wasn't like he was from a big city. When they said Jesus was from Nazareth in the Gospels, they said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That was the attitude towards if you're from Nazareth. That's like the rural part of town. That's like the country folk. Like they didn't have a lot of respect from people that were from Nazareth. But Jesus was from Nazareth because that's where Mary was from. It was a small town, a rural town. Right. It's kind of be the same way today if we said, can anything good come out of Borden? Right. <laughs> or Jeff. <laughs> I'm just saying, Red Devils, think about it. I mean, it's not right. It's not right. I'm joking, of course, because I know there's people in our church that live in Borden and Jeff. God bless y'all. But they kind of had an attitude towards Nazareth, that Nazareth was like, you know, just for them country folks. They're not very educated, you know, whatever. You know, it's a really small town. That's what, where Mary was from, and, and that's where Jesus was from. Now, when we read our Bibles, we got to understand this as well. When Mary... Is it okay that I teach you this before we really preach? I'm just trying to, I want to let you know who Mary was and, and a little bit about her before we go any further. Because we want to have faith like Mary. Now Mary, once again, she's from a small town, but she is from the right family, the right lineage, the right heritage. And um, Mary, probably at the time that she had Jesus, because this is tradition. Now in that time, in that day, most people got married and engaged when they were teenagers. That was normal. That wasn't weird. Now, it's a little bit weirder today because people are still in school. Now, back then, you started working when you were like 12 and 13 and started your life. So they would get married a lot of times at 14, 15, 16 and start their family. That's what happened at Bible times. So probably Mary at the time she had Jesus was between, most people think, between 14 and 16. So she was a teenage girl, uh, and at that time that she had Jesus, she was engaged to be married to Joseph. And so Mary was a teen mom. To give you a little context of this, 
So we're thinking about Mary, the mother of God, great woman of faith, which she was. But let's consider the whole story of Mary. Mary was, even though she's from the right family, she's from a small town, an insignificant town, a rural town. And she's a very young teen mom at the time that she had this experience with the angels saying she's going to give birth to Jesus. So little context of Mary in the story we're reading right now. Are you with me? So that's a little bit about Mary. Now let's look back at Luke 1. And we're going to go through this story a little bit because I want to give you some context of what's going on in this story. Speaking about Mary. Now, I encourage you, when we read this story, don't tune me out. Because a lot of times when we read Christmas stories in church or certain passages in the Bible, if you've heard it a lot, you kind of start tuning it out. You you, kind of act like, yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, I kind of remember that story. And we read over stuff that's significant and don't think twice about it. Or sometimes we do this, which is just as wrong. We read stories in the Bible like we're reading a fairy tale. Not realizing, no, this was real people in a real situation, living real life. Like Mary was not a fairy tale. She was a real teenage girl in in a rural town from the right family, and an angel was appearing to her. This was a real person. This, This wasn't just a fairy tale that you read in a kid's book. This was real life. Now, now, when we think about this, we realize what the significance of it was. So let's start here in Luke 1 in verse 26. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Nazareth was where she was from. To a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph. So that means she was engaged to get married to Joseph. Now, it says, Of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. Verse 28, and having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Verse 29, but when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, considering what manner of greeting this was. In verse 30, then the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Now let's stop right here. Once again, this is not a fairy tale. It's not a Disney Plus movie. This is real life. Think about a 12, 14, or 16-year-old girl who does, she loves God. She was, she was raised, a lot of the traditions of her family was, her family was very uh, religious. They, they loved God. They served God. They were Jewish people, of course. They, they went to the temple. They, they did sacrifices. So Mary loved God with all her heart. She was raised in church. She, she knew the scriptures. But she's a teenage girl. And she knows that there's going to be a Messiah coming one day, but she never thought it would be her. And she has this experience in Nazareth about to be married to Joseph. And it says there's an angel that came in and started talking to her. Now, we read over that like that's normal. It's not. Now, listen, I'm your pastor and I believe in angels, but I've never seen an angel. I've never seen one. My dad's seen one, but I've never seen one. Most of you have never seen one. 
And that's perfectly okay. You can still have faith in them even if you've never seen them. But imagine this girl who's never had this type of experience has a spiritual experience where an angel comes to her and appears and is, is shining and is speaking to her. What is she feeling right now? She's feeling, the Bible says, troubled in fear. As all of us would be if some being appeared to you that was shining and bright. And you're like, this is not natural. This is supernatural. I don't know what's going on here. Now, like every other reference in the Bible, when an angel shows up, they always say, do not be afraid. Why? Because you're afraid. Because you're about to pee your pants. Because you're probably freaking out like, what in the world is going on here? What is this? So you, if you realize the context, every angel always says, don't be afraid. Why? Because they all want to be afraid. If you really see a real one. So the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, because he realized she's troubled and she's afraid. He says, you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? She's never been with a man before. How could this happen? Verse 35, and the angel answered her and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, also, the Holy One who is be, to be born to you will be called the Son of God. And now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Amen. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. The first thing I see in these passages, and we're going to talk today about having faith like Mary, is if you want to have great faith, it takes great humility. That was the most hearty amen I've ever heard in my entire life. Let me try that again. If you want to have great faith, you got to have great humility. Now, now, now look at this story what happened when, when Mary was told that she was going to be the mother of God? She said, I knew it. I knew you'd go pick me. Because I'm gifted and I'm talented and I'm good looking. And I knew God was going to pick me. No, she didn't have that, that response whatsoever. She said, me? She had humility. And it takes great humility to have great faith in what God wants to do in your life. God uses people that have great humility. God uses the humble, those who see themselves in the proper manner. God uses people that receive the word of God with gladness and not act like they can do it in their own strength, in their own power. It takes great humility to have great faith. Now, this teenage girl who lived in the country, she said, me, I'm from Nazareth. I'm young. And God said, yeah, I want to use you. I love the, the word says in these passages, you have found favor in the sight of God. How do you get favor with God? All over the Bible says humility draws the favor of God. 
God's looking for humble people. Not prideful people. Humble people to use. You want favor with God? Walk in humility with God. You want God's blessing on your life? Walk in humility with God. You want God's call on your life? Walk in humility with God. God loves to use people that have humility. That's why he chose Mary. And you can only have great faith if you have great humility. Now, humility is not thinking I'm a worm, I'm a low life, I'm nobody. That's not humility. It's seeing yourself as you really are and realizing your need for God. That's humility. It's not putting yourself down, but it's realizing where would I be without God? What can I do without God? Nothing, the Bible says. And having great humility is the way we have great faith. But you got to realize that God chooses differently than the way that we choose people. Now, in the Old Testament, David was one of the greatest examples of this. The Bible says about David, very famous verse, but it applies to us today. The man looks at the outside appearance, but God looks at the heart. That's what God is looking for. He's looking for people with the right heart. He's looking for people that have a humble heart. And people like that, God can use. People like that, God will favor. People like that, God will do something great in your life. Because great humility comes and it's used with great faith. Now, this scripture was spoken about David in the Old Testament. And it says, man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. Because you realize when David was chosen to be the king, when the prophet came to their house, he didn't get brought in the house for the prophet to see. He brought out all the rest of his sons. Why? Because man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. And you know what? His brothers were more qualified than David was in the natural, in their appearance on the outside. His brothers were older than he was. His brothers were smarter than he was. I'm about to preach if you want me to preach today. His brothers were better looking than he was. His brothers were everything that David wasn't. But God said, I don't look at the outside. I don't care how good looking you are. I don't care how many gifts you have. I don't care what you've done. I'm not looking at the outside like the world does. I'm looking at the heart. And he says, you don't have the right heart and you don't have the right heart and you don't have the right heart and you don't have the right heart is there any other son in the house of Jesse and he said I got one more son he's out with the sheep being humble playing his little banjo for the sheep that's what it said he was doing he was playing his heart for the sheep he was out there worshiping God with the sheep that's humility he wasn't up in the house and God said isn't there one other person here and as soon as David came in, it says, that's the one who's got to be the king. Why? Because God chooses differently than we choose. Man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. And the older brothers and the more gifted brothers and the better looking brothers, he said, you don't have the right heart. Why? Because they were prideful in it. But God looks at the heart. He's looking for humility. That's why he chose Mary. There's probably better qualified people than Mary in the natural. 
based off appearances. They were, war- they were born in the right town and they had the right uh, influence and they had the right amount of money and they had the right this and the right that. But God looks at the heart. And he said, I'm trying to find somebody who has the right heart who is humble. God uses people that are humble. Are you with me today? So it's not about your natural gifting. God can give you that. He's using people who have the right heart, which is humility. But the Lord looks at the heart. The Bible says that God resists the proud. And he gives grace to the humble. God resists those who think they're all that in a bag of chips. He does. But he gives grace and he exalts, it says in the Bible, the humble and the lowly. Those who see themselves as they really are apart from God. That's the way God chooses. I love this verse, 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 26. 1 Corinthians 1, 26, it says, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who think they are powerful. God chose things despised in the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God chooses differently than we choose. God chooses differently than we choose. Now, we're talking about faith like Mary this morning, and if we're going to have great faith, we're going to have to have great humility like Mary did. For God to do something great in your life, you have to have great humility before God that apart from you, I can do nothing. And God, I need you. And even if you get a little money, you realize, God, I really need you now. And even if you do get your marriage straightened out, no, God, I still need you. And if I got my kids right with you and they're back in church now, no, God, I still need you. And you're prospering now and you got the job now. No, God, I still need you. Because man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. And he'll use somebody who has the right heart, which is humble before God. But as soon as you get prideful, the Bible said pride comes before a fall. God resists the proud, but he gives grace favor, blessing to the humble and lowly in heart. But I love in Corinthians, it says God chooses the foolish things, the insignificant things, the people that are left out and, and people look over them. God chooses those people and those people that have that humble heart. He uses them for his glory, his honor, so that when they get what he has for them that no one can boast in his presence. That's why God chooses people who have humility. Because when they get to the place that other people can see them, everyone around them will realize they couldn't get there by themselves. They couldn't just put this together. No, God had to exalt this person because that's why they're in this position. And God had to do this because they could not do this in their own strength. And that should be the testimony of all of us in here. Not that we're great and we're gifted and we can do this. No, we serve a great God. 
and that God has used us and we can have great faith, but only if we have great humility to realize our trust and in, in our, in our heart is 100% in God's plan and will for our life. Are you with me this morning? If we're going to have faith like Mary, we have to have great humility. And great humility produces great faith because humility is trust, reliance on God, not on yourself. But God chooses differently than we choose. Man looks at the outside, but God looks at your heart. And he'll use people if you got the right heart. He'll find you, trust me. And he'll use you for his glory, for his purposes, for his plan. God looks at the heart. So if we're going to have great faith, we've got to have great humility. Are you with me? If we're going to have faith like Mary, God's word has to be enough. God's word has to be enough. Now, we realize that faith is believing God, trusting God. And a lot of times when we talk about faith, we dumb it down to like faith is what happened one time at an altar and you believed in Jesus and got saved. No. Faith is the way you live. Faith is your lifestyle. That we receive everything from God by faith. That all the promises of God are yes and amen by faith. That we live this life by faith. That what pleases God is faith. But if we're going to have faith like Mary, God's word has to be enough. Now, when when you're believing God for something, you have to start here. Faith begins where the will of God is known. But if you don't know God's word on it, you can't have faith for it that it's God's will for your life. But once we know that, once God speaks to us and we get his word, then we can have faith that it is his will for our life. That's where faith starts. And that's what Mary did. Notice what she said in Luke 1, 37 and 38. After the angel said, this is what's going to happen. You're going to have a son. He's going to be the son of God. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you're going to conceive this child, and it's going to be the son of the Most High. What did she say? For with God, nothing will be impossible. Next verse, 38. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. The word of God has to be enough for you if you're going to have great faith like Mary did. When God speaks to you, that's enough. You don't have to see anything. You don't have to touch anything. You don't have to feel anything. If God said it, that's enough. And she said, let it be to me according to your word. Just that simple. God's word has to be enough for us. And faith is when we get into agreement with what God has already spoken to us. Now we realize we get into agreement by believing in our heart and confessing out of our mouth, and that's what she did. She didn't just look at the angel and said, hmm. She said, I'm going to get in agreement. That's faith. I am your servant. And what did she say? Let it be to me according to your word. 
Faith is getting in agreement with what God has already spoken to you. And that's not just for Mary, that's for all of us in here. What has God spoken to you through his word right here? Faith is getting into agreement with what God has already spoken. What has God spoken to your heart by his spirit? Faith is getting in agreement with what God has spoken to you. But you got to hear him speak before you can have faith. Let's look at Romans 10 and verse 17. Romans 10 and verse 17. If we could pull it up here. I believe it's in the New King James. If possible. Romans 10, 17. I'll quote it to you. It's faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Mary had to hear something from God before she could have faith that God would do it. Are you with me? Now, there could have been all sorts of other women in Israel saying, God, I believe I'm going to be the one that's going to have your child. But you know, you couldn't have faith for that because God didn't speak to them that. Are you with me? God only spoke to Mary. So she could have faith for that. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, follow me here. This is why faith people get in trouble. Because God didn't tell them anything. They just want to make something up and have faith for it. If God didn't say it, you can't have faith for it because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. A lot of people fail in their faith life because they just shoot out and say, I'm going to believe for that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to believe here. And God never told you to do that. So you can't have faith for that because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But Mary could have faith because God spoke to her through an angel and said, you're going to be the mother of God in the flesh. What does she say? Be it to me according to your word. That's the proper response to all of us in here. When God speaks to us through this book, when you're reading this book on a day-to-day basis and God speaks to you, the proper response in faith is, I don't, not like, I, I don't know, you know, maybe you could do it. No, God, I believe it according to your word. Let it be done unto me. When God speaks to you something in your prayer closet that you've been praying about for a long time and God speaks to you a word in season by his spirit, the proper response is not like, I don't know if you can do it. Maybe you can do it. No, the proper response is, be it to me according to your word, God. Let it be done unto me. That's the proper response because that is faith. Pastor, that sounds pretty simple. It is. When we get it in our mind and we get into doubt, that's what makes it difficult. Simple faith is taking God at his word. Saying that's enough. That's all I need. I I don't need a feeling. I don't need to see it. I don't need to taste it, to touch it, or anything else. If God said it, the word is enough. And you're never going to have great faith until God's word is enough. Taking God at his word and saying, God, I believe you. 
That's enough. That's all I need. That's what Mary did. But you got to realize anytime we do that, it's going to look to the world outside of us. It's going to look risky. Do you realize what it was going to cost Mary to accept this and believe it? Now, in that time, if you committed adultery like that, they could have just stoned you. And that's what people assumed what was happening. So by her saying, God, I believe you're going to do this, there was a potential that Mary could get stoned because she was pregnant and she hadn't been with her husband yet. It's a big deal. You never had the uh, prospect of being stoned because you believe God. Mary knew if I say yes to this and, and, and attach my faith to it, I could be misunderstood. My husband could divorce me because nobody else is going to get this because God told me I'm going to have a child and I haven't been with anybody. Now, it was going to be a risk. But faith is so important because to the world it looks risky. And there's going to be consequences. There's going to be people that didn't get it that, that misunderstood her. She was going to be judged for it. But the risk was worth it for the reward. What does the Bible say? God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's impossible to please God without faith because he's a rewarder of those who seek him. But God's word has to be enough. It has to be. You're never going to have great faith. You're never going to have faith like Mary if God's word isn't enough. If you're waiting for a goose bump till you believe God, you go keep waiting. If you're going to wait for, well, God, I got to see it. God, I got to feel it. God, uh uh-uh. God's word has to be enough. You're never going to get anywhere if God's word isn't enough. That's all you need. You only need one verse. You don't need all of them. You just need one. If God speaks it to you, what's your proper response? Be it to me according to your word. I only need one verse about healing, and I'll take it because God's word is enough. I only need one verse about peace, and I'll take it because God's word is enough. I only need one verse about joy, and I'll take it because God's word is enough. I only need one verse about my children coming back to the kingdom of God because God's word is more than enough. I only need one verse from God. And God's word is enough. Don't overcomplicate it. We don't need a feeling. We don't need a sense. We don't need all these other things. God's word has to be enough before you see it, before you feel it. And when you believe like Mary did, when she didn't see or feel anything else, and she knew there would be consequences, she said, be it to me according to your word. Notice, not something I made up. Not something I'm just hoping and wishing for. Be it to me according to your word. Because your word has to be enough. Are you with me in this Pentecostal church of Jesus Christ? Church this morning. I know you're thinking about saying that You'll get to sit on his lap. Plenty. God's word has to be enough. Now, now realize this. Once you get into this territory, just like Mary, people will misunderstand you. They will misunderstand you. They will judge you. They will say, who do you think you are? 
And yeah, I tried to believe God for that too one time and it didn't work. Thank you, Debbie Downer. You can shut your mouth now. We don't need you. There are going to be a lot of people discouraging you to believe what God said in his word or what God has spoken to your heart, but don't let it stop you. God's word has to be enough. It has to be enough. And trust me, if you take God at his word and believe him, just like Mary did, the same thing will be true to, for you. Be it to me according to your word. His word has to be enough. You also have to realize when people don't get it, it's all right. God didn't speak to them. He spoke to you. So if people don't always congratulate you or applaud you, it's like, it's all right. Faith comes by hearing and hearing, and you didn't hear what I heard. So you don't have faith for it. I do. That's okay. But you got to be able to be misunderstood, maybe talked bad about, just like Mary was. But notice what happened. Because she was a woman of faith, she said, be it to me according to your word. Everything that she believed for came to pass just the way that God said it. And I'm telling you this morning, if you do the same thing, it might take a little time, but it will happen. And all the naysayers around you that said you couldn't believe God for that and you couldn't do that, when they see the fruit and they see the harvest and they see the results down the road of you believing God, they will say the same thing they said to Mary. Everything she believed that God told her came to pass. Let it be the same for us. Let it be the same for all of you in here. That we would have just simple faith. Not complicated faith. That's, we all get messed up because we try to believe God and then it goes through our mind and we start thinking, what about this? What about that? What about this? What are people going to think? I couldn't do this. I didn't come from the right. Stop. Stop. Just like Mary, if God said it, be it to me according to your word. If God speaks to me, God, I believe you. God, if you want to do something great in my life, yeah, your spirit just spoke to me. I heard that. I believe you. Not I believe you, but. Or I believe you. And, and what about this and this? No, God, be it to me according to your word. Are you with me today? So if we're going to have great faith like Mary, we're going to have to. Let God's word be enough. It has to be enough. We have to get to the place that we believe God beyond our senses, beyond our feelings. A word from God spoken either through his written word or through his spirit to us has to be enough. And we have to act on it and agree with it, with our believing and with our speaking and tell God, I believe you. Let it be to me according to your word. Brother Daryl, could you come play? I got one more thing I want to share with you before we close. Then you can go sit on Santa's lap, which I know you're really looking forward to doing, and uh, get some milk and cookies. The last thing I want to share with you from this story about faith like Mary is this, is something that was mentioned in the earlier passages in Luke, when the angel is telling Mary that she's going to have a child, she 
it's spoken to Mary that her cousin, Elizabeth, is having a baby also. Now, Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, was older and could not have a child. But she had been believing God for a long time, and she had a similar experience where an angel showed up to her, and she had a child, and that child would be John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus. But we see here that Elizabeth was not only Mary's cousin, but her friend. And there's this wonderful verse that I want to share about this right after this passage. Because if we're going to have great faith and faith like Mary, we're going to have to have great humility. God's word has to be enough. And we're going to need a faith friend. Let's look what it says in Luke 1, 39 through 45. Now Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greetings of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And when she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greetings sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be fulfillment of those things which were told from the Lord. Isn't that a great verse? But when you're on this faith journey, all of us in here need this. Nobody is beyond this. If we're going to have faith like Mary, we're going to have to have a faith friend. How many know when, when Mary was believing what God told her, she didn't have many people that believed in her right then. Her family didn't believe her. Her community didn't believe her. Even her husband didn't believe her until an angel showed up and talked to him. Nobody believed in Mary, but she had one friend, come on now somebody, that believed God just like she believed God. One friend that had faith like she did. And she needed that friend, and all of you in here need at least one faith friend. That they say, I believe what God has spoken to you, and I'm standing with you, and I'm excited with you, and I believe everything that God has spoken to you will come to pass. You need somebody like that in your life. When no one else believes you, when no one else is encouraging you, you have to have some faith friends. And I think a lot of you do have those in this place this morning, a faith friend that can encourage you when you need encouragement. Now, Mary was a very spiritual lady. She had a relationship with God. She was a woman of prayer. So as soon as she heard Mary say this, she knew that's right. You're not lying. That's the truth. God spoke to you. And I'm going to be a faith friend. You need those people in your life. And if you don't this morning, let this be the day that you do. We need faith friends. If we're going to be strong in faith like Mary was, we need to have people around us that encourage us when we need encouragement, that speak to us when we need to hear what God said again, that we need people in our corner that when we talk to, they will encourage us in the things that God has spoken over our life. When we call a friend and we need healing, don't call the people and say, yeah, I feel just as bad as you. If we're going to go down, let's go down together. 
Come on. You need a friend that says, listen, I know you don't feel good, and I didn't feel super great last week, but I know God's a healer, and I know by his stripes you are healed. Let me bring you some chicken soup, and let me pray over you in the name of Jesus. That's a friend you need. When you feel like your business is not working out and you're not seeing the prosperity God has for you, don't talk to the people about, oh, well, you know, the, the economy's going down, so you got to just prepare yourself for that. Gas prices are sure are high. You don't need a friend like that. You need a friend that says, God's word says that you would prosper above all things. God's word says that he is our provider. God's word says he's a God of abundance. God's word says that we're the head and not the tail. That we're above and we're not beneath. That we're blessed coming in and we're blessed going out. That God is not in a recession in heaven and his children don't have to be either on earth. That's the kind of friend you need. That's a faith friend, not a doubt friend. We got too many of those. You need a faith friend like Elizabeth was to Mary. They had each other. They didn't have a lot of other people that believed in them, but they had each other. What about when your marriage is going down? Does the person say, yeah, you know, my husband's got issues too. You should probably just divorce him. Come on now, somebody. Wrong person to talk to. Talk to the person that starts quoting the word to you, that starts encouraging you, that starts getting you to think in line with the scriptures and not your feelings. That's going to encourage you that says, no, God can change this in your marriage, that things can be better and things can be changed. Let me help you. Let me encourage you. Let me get other pastors and leaders involved. God can change this. That's the people you need to speak to. Faith friends. But I love it. It says, when Mary came in and saw Elizabeth, what was in her leapt for joy. I need people like that in my life. I don't know about you. There's some people I talk to that ain't nothing leaping. It's going to sleep. All the dreams and the visions and the plans that God put in my heart goes to sleep when I talk to certain people. But then there's other people who are faith people. When I talk to them, those dreams start jumping up again. Those plans start jumping up again. God's word starts speaking to me again. Why? Because they're a faith friend. And you need somebody like Elizabeth when when you tell somebody your dreams and, and God's plan and what God has spoke to you that they say, man, I'm excited with you. I'm jumping with you. I'm filled up with you. You can do it. God could do this through your life. I'm with you 100%. Be around people that what's in you encourages them and vice versa. It leaps for joy. And it says, when Elizabeth saw Mary, what was in her leaped for joy, and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. So good. We need people like that in our life. And you need to be that person for somebody else. A faith friend. You don't need to be around people that are going to discourage and depress and make you doubt what God has spoken to you. You need somebody that when you get around them, what's in you starts to leap, starts to be encouraged, starts to grow starts to be excited about what God has spoken to you, what God's going to do in your life, what your future's going to look like, what your marriage is going to look like, what the things that God has put in your heart is going to happen, and they're with you 100%. That's the kind of people you need. Are you with me this morning? 
We all need faith friends and we need to be a faith friend. But Mary, at this time, you could understand what she was going through. Not only did she have to deal with this great mission and call from God, she was kind of carrying it by herself at that time. No one believed in her. No one saw that in her yet. But Elizabeth did. And I fully believe because Elizabeth helped her believe and was a faith friend, she was able to fulfill everything God had for her. We all need that. And we need to be that for other people. We need to be a faith friend. You with me today? So if we're going to have faith like Mary, we're going to have to have great humility. God's word has to be enough. And we need some faith friends. Do you get anything this morning? Could you stand up today? It's like a Luke chapter 1, verse 45 in the New Living. It says, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Can I speak that over every one of you in here just like this was spoken? Elizabeth said this to Mary. I'm going to speak this over you right now. You are blessed because you believed. You had some faith that what the Lord would do, what he said. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Are you with me this morning? Father, let me say right now, let me just pray over your people. Father, we pray over everyone in here that you would stir us up, that you'd strengthen our faith today, that you'd strengthen us in what we're called to do. Father, we thank you that we would have faith like Mary did in your word, that we would believe you and not doubt you. Father, we believe that everything that you've spoken to us will come to pass in your timing, in your plan, and in your provision. Father, help us to not be doubters, but be believers, to be strong in what you've spoken over our lives. Father, we thank you for it today. We thank you for great faith being stirred in our hearts this morning. Continue to encourage us in that. Father, we're asking that you put the right people in our life to encourage us, to strengthen us, to be a faith friend, and we're going to be a faith friend to them as well. Help us, Father, to believe you above all else and not be moved by what we see or by what we feel, but only be moved by what we believe in God's word. Father, we thank you that you stir our faith today. Stir us up. Let us hear what you want us to hear. Let us do what you want us to do. We thank you. We're going to have faith for it. And we believe you're faithful who promised that every word spoken to us will be fulfilled, will come to pass, that what you've said will be done. We believe that. Let it be to us according to your word. We thank you for it today. Can we thank him for just a few minutes? Father, we thank you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for helping us. We thank you for strengthening us right now. We thank you for giving us this faith that we can use to see your plan and your will come to pass in our life. Thank you, Father. We love you today. We thank you today. We honor you today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we're open. We're receptive to hear your voice. We come before you humbly and open to do your will 
for our life, not just today, but for the rest of our time on this earth, that you'd speak to us, you'd help us, that we'd be quick to obey, quick to believe everything you speak to our hearts. We love you today, and we thank you for this wonderful time we had together. Pray that you bless your people as we go. Help us to have a great time with uh, Santa and Miss Claus and have a good time of fellowship today in your house. And we thank you for all you're doing in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.